Today on Truths That Transform. They've taken the shackles off of the government and put them onto the people. The very opposite of what the founders meant in the First Amendment. One of the most fascinating pieces of American history is how much reconciliation and attempt our founders uh, attempted before we actually signed the Declaration of Independence. Welcome to Truths That Transform, a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries, where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Rob Pacienza, Senior Pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church. July is the month in which we celebrate the birth of America, but because we have forgotten as a nation where we came from, we have no idea where we're going. As you'll see on today's program, America was founded for freedom. But it wasn't a freedom untethered from morality or sense. It was freedom rooted in God's truth. And you'll discover the central falsehood that has thrown our nation off track. We begin with a look at the movement for freedom in America that culminated on July 4th, 1776. The Providence Forum, one of our ministry outreaches, has produced a new documentary called The Road to Independence. In this preview of that program, we look at the causes for America's separation into a new nation, including the religious causes that are often now ignored. Liberty is founded, was founded in the Western world, that is in Western Europe. And it uh, became a part of the United States as well. Uh, the, uh, the ideas of personal liberty uh, were, uh, were begun in, uh, in the Western world, in Western Europe in the 13th or 14th century. And it was nourished, it was cultured, and it was developed into the kind of freedoms that people in Western Europe and United States enjoy. I think that, however, the United States has exceeded the uh, liberties of Western Europe, and uh, we've just done a better job. In 1766, in the Declaratory Act, the British Parliament had asserted that their taxing authority extended to America without American input. But this vexed the Americans who, as British citizens, expected to enjoy their God-given liberties, although on a different continent. Meanwhile, many of the British leaders were upset with the upstart colonies in far-off America. New England, in particular, was viewed as the cause of all the trouble because they so actively opposed the various British measures to recoup their debt in defending the colonies. The New England governments are now in a state of rebellion. Blows must decide whether they are to be subject to this country or to be independent. King George III. Yet repeatedly, the Americans tried to work things out with the King and Parliament. One of the most fascinating pieces of American history is how much reconciliation and attempt our founders 
uh, attempted before we actually signed the Declaration of Independence. Uh, I like to call it the Great Complaint because if you look at that document, it actually lists out all of the efforts that the founders uh, went through. They said they did not depart for light and transient causes, but the causes that did impel them to separation were because it was repeated uh, infringement and trampling of our rights and to the extent that the only course of action was separation and beginning a new government. Many of the conflicts emanated out of Boston, the hotbed of Puritanism in previous generations. Samuel Adams, a pious man who called himself the last of the Puritans, was chief of those agitating for independence. On March 5, 1770, a conflict in Boston led to the Boston Massacre. To this day, the exact details are not fully known. Who instigated it? How many died? John Adams, an attorney and Samuel Adams' younger cousin, even chose the unpopular position of defending the British soldiers in the Boston Massacre. As a believer in the rule of law, he felt that it was the right thing to do. As he said in that trial famously, facts are stubborn things. Meanwhile, Great Britain charged taxes without giving the Americans a chance to provide input, thus taxation without representation. The British government gave favor to the British East India Tea Company. They charged a high duty to the Americans for this tea. The Sons of Liberty, under the leadership of Samuel Adams and John Hancock, colonists dressed as Indians, staged the Boston Tea Party in December 1773. After the Boston Tea Party, the British strategically decided to isolate Boston from the rest of the colonies. They passed the Port Act of 1774 with the intention of saying to the other colonies, you cooperate and we'll just punish Boston. But interestingly, the other colonies rallied to support Boston and stood in unity with their fellow brethren. On June 1st, 1774, at midnight, the Port Act went into effect as scheduled. British ships converged into Boston Harbor to begin an indefinite blockade. But England was wrong to think that only Boston took notice. In Philadelphia, the bells of churches were muffled, and they tolled. The ships had their sails at half-mast. In Virginia, a widespread day of fasting and prayer was called on behalf of Boston. One man wrote in his diary, fasted all day and attended church. That man was George Washington. Unhappy it is to reflect that a brother's sword has been sheathed in a brother's breast and that the once happy and peaceful plains of America are either to be drenched with blood or inhabited by slaves. Sad alternative. But can a virtuous man hesitate in his choice? George Washington. The Port Act of 1774 against Boston struck a raw nerve. But also threatening was the Regulating Act of 1774, effectively nullifying the charters of the colonies. 
The idea of this was to essentially force the Americans into religious conformity. One author, Stephen J. Keeler, notes, Dissenters feared that the Church of England would send an Anglican bishop to the colonies. Thus, the whole reason their forefathers had sacrificed to come to America was now in jeopardy. The purpose of the city on a hill that so many had given their lives to create was now at risk. The religious component to the founders separating was actually a central part of our revolution. Uh, we try to, in our society today, secularize the founding fathers and secularize the revolution as just taxation without representation and uh, some of those other things that were key, but really the idea of free exercise of religion and the opportunity in this new world to make sure that we as individuals and as family units have a right to freely worship God was so central to what the founders absolutely fought for. Was the whole Pilgrim and Puritan errand into the wilderness about to be extinguished? Would this mean that 150 years of virtual self-rule earned at the expense of blood, sweat, and toil have all been in vain? And many of the citizens in the new nation began to say, wait a minute, we had come here, some of them, uh, with their ancestors over 100 years earlier for religious liberty. And now the British were going to impose a state church and control the thoughts and minds of the people through religion. In the Declaration of Independence, Jefferson lists more than 20 specific complaints against the King of England. One of these alludes to this regulating act for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments. Indeed, there was a lot more at stake in this ongoing conflict between the British Crown and the American colonies than taxation without representation. September 7, 1774, was the first day that Congress of the United States ever opened its official proceedings. They opened in prayer. George Washington was there, as were so many founders of America, including Patrick Henry, Samuel Adams, his cousin John Adams, and John Jay, all joining their hearts together. Reverend Jacob Duche of Christ Church, a local Anglican church, came, dressed in his high church robes. He used the subscribed text for that day in the Anglican lectionary, which was Psalm 35. Plead my cause, O Lord, with them that strive with me. Fight against them that fight against me. Take hold of shield and buckler and stand up for mine help. I never saw a greater effect upon an audience. It seemed as if heaven had ordained that psalm to be read on that morning. After this, Mr. Duchet, unexpectedly to everybody, struck out into an extemporary prayer which filled the bosom of every man present. I must confess, I never heard a better prayer, or one so well pronounced. John Adams there is no greater 
dishonesty than depicting the founders. Uh, th there were two dishonest ways. One, that they were deists, and the other, that they wanted a secular society. They wanted a, a government that was not a theocracy. That is clear. Ultimately, they wanted people to be free to practice their religion and relate to God in their way, and, and for that matter, for an atheist to be a free citizen. But they knew, all of them, except for Tom Paine, all of them knew that without God, this experiment would not work. God is the source of liberty. God is the source of rights. And that is central. From the Kennedy Collection Library, we'd like you to have A Nation Worth Fighting For by Dr. D. James Kennedy. Is this nation worth fighting for? Is it worth my dying for? We'll send you this gift-size hardcover book at no cost or obligation to you. Just call or write to us today asking for the book A Nation Worth Fighting For to get this valuable and inspiring resource for yourself. The desire for religious freedom was central to the founding of America. But in the 20th century, a lie arose that not only separated us from our founding principles, but essentially drove God and Christianity out of our government and public life. Today, this lie is so pervasive that most people accept it as gospel truth. But it is no gospel at all. In fact, it's just the opposite. Dr. D. James Kennedy explains in this portion of his message, The Dawn's Early Light. The Dawn's Early Light is my title for today's message on religious liberty, the separation of church and state. As I picked this phrase from Francis Scott Key's Star Spangled Atom and use it to consider the light that the early foundations of this nation shine upon a question and issue of great importance today, the matter of religious freedom. Though the secularists are doing their very best to get rid of every vestige of Christianity and religion in this country, there's no doubt that that's not the way it was in the beginning. We have lost sight of the light that the Founding Fathers tried to shine in that dawn's early light upon the future of this country. We've taken the train and taken it off the tracks that were laid down so carefully by our founders, and we have tried to reject religion and replace it with secularism. You wonder, how could this have happened? Where did the train get derailed? If we want to find something, we have to go back to the exact place where we lost it. And that place, my friends, is found in the year 1947 and in the halls of the Supreme Court in a decision that you should all remember and inscribe on the walls of your prayer life, the Everson decision. And in that decision, the very liberal Justice Hugo Black quotes the phrase, there should be a wall of separation between church and state and indicates that this is supposed to be a secular nation. And by the way, that decision passed by one vote, five to four. One man throughout 150 years of American history and Christian religious principles and faith and ushered in 
this ungodly immorality that we've seen in our day. A separation of church and state? Do you remember what John Quincy Adams says? He said, the highest glory of the American Revolution was that it united in one indissoluble bond the principles of Christianity and the principles of civil government. But in one stroke, the Everson decision erected a wall severing that indissoluble bond. Now, is that not just shorthand for the First Amendment? No, no, no. It is not. It is a complete distortion of it. And if you are not familiar with how it distorts it, let me remind you. The First Amendment, like the entire First Ten Amendments, the Bill of Rights, were all one-way streets. They were written for one single purpose, to protect you, the people of the United States, from the newly created Leviathan, the federal government. And men like George Washington and Patrick Henry would not even sign the Constitution until they were assured there would be a Bill of Rights protecting the rights of the people. George Washington later said in a letter that if he had thought that in any way this government would become hostile to any religious organization, that he would have never affixed his name to it. Question, in the last decade, whenever you've heard anything about the separation of church and state, what is it talking about? Is it talking about what the government can do? No. It's talk, is it even talking about what churches can do? Hardly ever. It's almost always talking about what Christians or other religious people can or cannot do. Completely turned around. They've taken the shackles off of the government and put them onto the people. The very opposite of what the founders meant in the First Amendment. The founding fathers of this country meant that this was not a secular nation. It was not to be hostile to religion but it was to accommodate it and encourage it, as Justice Joseph Story says in his first commentary on the Constitution of the United States, to encourage Christianity. The intention of the Constitution and the First Amendment was to encourage Christianity to the extent that it was compatible with freedom of conscience, conscience and worship. But the ungodly are doing their very best to destroy all of that and the club that they are using is this suppositious wall of separation between church and state, which, like Hitler's big lie, has been used to brainwash the American people and to club Christianity into oblivion. Well, is there any hope? Well, one man that I know of put it this way. There is simply no historical foundation for the proposition that the framers intended to build the wall of separation. Don't you wish that a man that believed that would be in an influential position when he might, where he might do something about it? This man's name is William Rehnquist, Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. I believe we will see something wonderful happen in this country. We will put the train back on the tracks that were laid out for it by, this, by the founding fathers of this country. We will restore religious liberty to this nation. 
I believe that we will see also the throwing out of the so-called wall of separation doctrine, which has contributed so enormously to the increasing secularization, ungodliness, immorality, and crime in our country. Dear friends, pray that that may happen. The Berlin Wall has fallen. The Iron Curtain has fallen. And this suppositious wall of separation is going to fall. Hello, I'm Jennifer Kennedy Cassidy. As you just heard my dad explain, the founders believed it was crucial to protect religion from the state. Religious liberty was so important, they enshrined it in the very first of the Bill of Rights. How could we get to the point where this would be almost completely reversed, protecting the government from religion and putting limitations on Christians? It's because our nation has become largely ignorant of its true history. That sort of ignorance will destroy America, so we cannot let it stand. That's why the book, 10 Truths About America's Christian Heritage, is so important. And we'd like to send it to you as our thanks for your generous donation to help this ministry stand for truth and defend your freedom. The secular left today wants to scrub the public square of anything having to do with Christianity. But America's founders weren't only in favor of religious liberty, they believed that God was the very foundation of our rights and freedoms. Without God, those rights and freedoms disappear. That's one of the 10 truths about America's Christian heritage. You'll also discover how our republic rests upon one book, the Bible and that schools in America were founded to advance the Christian faith. If you learned your history in public schools and universities, you've been severely misled. Find out the truth in the compelling book, 10 Truths About America's Christian Heritage. And if you're able to give a generous donation of $50 or more, we'll send you that book, plus the DVD documentary, The Road to Independence. This program has been produced by our Providence Forum Outreach as part of its Foundation of American Liberty series. You saw a segment of this documentary earlier in this broadcast. Get the entire program, which traces the reasons America sought independence from England, some of which will surprise you. The Road to Independence shows how Christianity played a pivotal role in the push for the colonies to become a free nation and that the preaching of pastors laid the groundwork for the emergence of the United States. The Road to Independence features experts like Eric Metaxas, Oz Guinness, Jenna Ellis, and more. We'll send you the hard-hitting book, 10 Truths About America's Christian Heritage, as our thanks for your generous donation. And the book, plus the Providence Forum documentary, The Road to Independence, on DVD, as our thanks for your gift of $50 or more. Only this ministry does the kind of work we do, broadcasting biblical truth on key cultural issues, challenging the far-left Southern Poverty Law Center in federal court, and educating the nation about America's vital Christian heritage. As you donate, you'll be helping us to reach out nationwide with the truth of God's word and the hope of the gospel. At this time of sharp moral decline, it's more necessary than ever, so please, Prayerfully consider giving a generous donation. 
Simply write to us at D. James Kennedy Ministries, Box 11154, Fort Lauderdale, Florida, 33339. Or call toll free, 877-962-7677. Or go online to djkm.org. If you're a Christian who cares about our nation and believes that the Bible is our rock of truth, here is something you need to understand. The entire public discourse is designed to silence you. A wrong-headed Supreme Court decision based on a false understanding of our history and our Constitution led to the so-called wall of separation between church and state. The First Amendment, written to protect the church from the state, has instead been used to protect the state from the church and from Christians. Alongside this is a philosophical movement that has been growing for centuries, which sees only physical, measurable things as real. This ends up excluding God and objective standards of morality and justice, among many other vital things. The public discussion has been set up in such a way that you are shouted down if you proclaim biblical truth on political issues. But we Christians need to reject that falsehood and speak the truth in love. Do not accept the rigged game that tells you that you have to argue on neutral ground and cannot bring God or the Bible into it. George Washington did not believe that, nor did Thomas Jefferson, nor Abraham Lincoln. It's a purely modern invention to keep Christians quiet. But God tells us we must do otherwise. When the religious officials wanted Jesus to silence his followers who were praising him, Jesus answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And I also want to exhort you to be encouraged. For the first time in 50 years, we are seeing a massive change on abortion in this country. This is in no small part because Christians have faithfully continued to proclaim the biblical sanctity of human life and our obligation to obey our earthly ruler, the Constitution of the United States of America. In communities all over America, parents are beginning to take control of their children's education seeing that the state solution is running them aground. There is great reason to be encouraged, my friends, because if God is with us, who can be against us? Yes, Satan is a formidable enemy, and he seeks to kill and destroy. He seeks to silence the word of God and discourage Christians. But we do not judge by sight. When Jesus Christ was crucified, it looked as if all was lost. From a worldly vantage point, the battle was over and evil had won. But in fact, the exact opposite was happening. What appeared to be Jesus' defeat was actually his greatest victory, as he destroyed sin and death itself. And though the disciples were slow to understand what was happening, that dark day of crucifixion was followed shortly after by Jesus' resurrection from the dead. So in the words of scripture, therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. By the way, 
make sure you check out all of our digital content. Visit djkm.org where we have compelling videos, important articles, and strong content to build faith and answer questions. And check us out on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter as well. Just look for D. James Kennedy Ministries where we are standing for truth and defending your freedom. I'm Pastor Rob Pacienza. Thank you for being with us. And here's a look at the next Truths That Transform. Winning for the pro-life side is not about court battles. It's not about even public opinion polls or votes on the Supreme Court. It's not even about legislation. It's really about saving babies from abortion and transforming our culture. That's next week. This has been a production of D. James Kennedy Ministries.